In roller derby, holding space is an empowering, often intimidating act of strength and strategy for oneself and or teammates. Holding Space, the podcast, clears the floor for conversations that touch upon race, class, identity, and privilege to amplify stories, build community, and make more connections in the skate world. Expect lots of smart, dope skate people musing about life on and off eight wheels and silliness. Can't forget the silliness that you never knew you needed and won't be able to live without. This is Holding Space with Magical Wheelism. Welcome. up y'all how's isolation treating you it hasn't been the easiest for your girl let me tell you living in the epicenter queens of the u.s epicenter new york city and learning of someone else in your world catching this thing has been rough and then there's the sirens and the solitude ish because of course at the end of the day this still is new york my upstairs neighbor is a newfound harpist i think and appreciates wearing clogs uh or at least that's what it sounds like through my ceiling and my downstairs neighbors are dominican which means they are of two volume settings loud and louder them's my peoples though so i get it And while I hate the din in the moment, occasionally I am able to appreciate how uniquely and symphonically New York, the sum of all those sounds are. Silence does equal death here, definitely. Chirping, train rumble, sounds, noise, music, yelling is the arena of the living, of being alive. Today's guest is Ames Collado, the one-woman powerhouse behind Butterroll, a POC-centered roller skating social enterprise. Ames, better than anyone, understands the lingering importance of sounds and space in the city. I came upon Butterroll in one of those fortuitous social media scrolling clicks in which you start on one page and keep clicking through to look into kin of kin, associates of associates, and you keep getting hipped onto dope new projects helmed by ambitious visionaries. To hear Ames describe her accomplishments and intentions, Butterroll is one part memory and one part imagination. I was drawn to Butterroll on the strength of the name alone, which felt quintessentially NYC and evocative of the sleekest style of rink skating. And I grew inspired by its incorporation of skater-curated playlists, women of color, filmmaker opportunities, bygone skate images and education, as well as its past skate events. A tenant organizer whose resume also includes film industry work, Ames approaches roller skating and jam skate culture as multidisciplinary and, above all, for the people. Enjoy. Can I tell you that I love your project? I'm so intrigued by the idea of seeing roller skating as a social enterprise. It's Mm -hmm. fly. I would love for you to start off with giving the background of it. And yeah, just hit me with, with all your things. Hit me with your best shot for sure. Yeah. So I mean, Butterroll for the most part is this idea of, I don't like calling it like a lifestyle. Not because like, <laughs> like the, over, the fact that that term is, is used, you know, very, very loosely. But the idea that I've always had for Butterroll is 
a lot like lifestyle brands. It's way more than an event. It's way more than, you know, a rink in itself. I think that this very podcast is a great example of like the essence of butter roll, which is like, how can we make, not make skating part of our lifestyles more, but like, how can we hold space for it outside of the rink? So butter roll is this almost like entity. It's still growing and morphing and there's just so many like different elements to it that's that's growing but ultimately it's roller skating new york style like hood music drives it full force it's community driven in a sense of being really inclusive and being honest with those who are supporters and fans of butter roll i always try to make sure to include folks and like get feedback like this is what i'm thinking of you know is this well received also a really strong army of like folks who will support, you know, various ideas. But yeah, this, I hate saying company because like it always goes back to capitalism, but this company is really about taking skating to places that it hasn't been in a really long time. So definitely not recreating the wheel, but like trying to use up all possible outlets that could be used to celebrate roller skating. So the main audience, like my community, is POC, you know, first and foremost. Everything that I create behind Butter Roll is about my community. And I, I literally mean that in the many communities that I'm a part of. My my queer community, my hood-ass community, my organizing community, you know, all of that is influences a lot of what I do and, and how I move Butter Roll. I don't know if that exactly answers your question. It but really does. <laughs> you know what a social enterprise is. Believe it or not, I actually have to I have to explain that a lot. Folks know what a nonprofit is. Folks know what a for-profit is, but they don't understand that there are entities that you can create where um, you're not create you're creating not to make money, but you know sustainability is built in, but also like you know community to further cause it's a further community yeah. goals and causes and principles absolutely absolutely so butterroll's belief dope. is roller skating has to it has to encompass it's like this beautiful merge between roller skating music community organizing to make sure that roller skating becomes that's accessible to communities of color specifically or under recognized communities so that could be a lot of different things. And, and that's, that's really where I'm at right now. I would say our website and our Instagram is kind of just the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> Something that I love about the name Butter Roll is that it's such a fly kind of like double entendre because <laughs> it's an actual food here in New York. We mm-hmm. love us. Uh, a Butter Roll is like the... It's the basis. It's the foundation of your chopped and cheese sandwich. It's mm-hmm. it's the basis. It's the fundamental of many a food found in a bodega <laughs> in many communities of color. And then it's also obviously just like the liquidy sort of extremely slick mm-hmm. means of like jam skating, of roller skating. That's a really dope name in and of itself. And I love that you hear it and you're like, you already have, a, you, without even understanding or speaking with you or knowing with you, you know what it's about. Totally. That's I think one of my favorite things is like, 
Um, you know, when people, I, I, let me not say that's my favorite thing. I hate it when people ask me what I do because, you know, as a creative, it's like, well, which one do I pick right now? But I remember uh, one of my favorite things is when I get, when I tell people the name of it and they're just like, oh, that's really dope. I'm like, thank you. I didn't, <laughs> I thought I would have to explain myself every time, you know, like why butter roll? For a long time, people used to call it butter ball. And I was like, y'all serious? Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not mad at butter roll too I like those big old turkeys. that's kind of my style if I had to put a style to my skating <laughs> in my butterfall that is so cute <laughs> that is so cute I'm not mad at it oh no and, I, and you know in terms of like what you do and your day job and that sort of thing but I feel like it kind of like it informs right you're a community organizer you're a tenant rights organizer and I can definitely see that the seeds of that in your work approaching like mm-hmm. skating not as like a for-profit entity but as something for the community you can totally see that so this kicked off in 2015 as a kind of like a concept, an idea. And in 2019, last summer, basically, right, you started the the monthly skate party at Lefra. Do you want to tell me, like, explain how that all came about? The interesting thing about social media is that, as we know, we don't post our journeys. Overall, we could. Maybe people get more comfortable with doing that. But, you know, people don't usually like to say everything and definitely don't like to, like, name drop or, you know, it's really, it's really, it's a, it's a funny dance when you want to share your achievements. And Butterroll came about because I had been wanting to, like my dream of opening a rink started back in 09. And at the time, I just didn't know, like I didn't have a name. I didn't have like the essence of it, but I knew that that was my calling or something pulled me towards it. And I had watched this documentary. I I share this story all the time. I watched this this cute short documentary called Jam and Cheese, which I think his name was Elwin Spencer. He is a uh, director who did this film about this small skate community out in the UK. And their slang for skating or jam skating is jam and cheese. And for me, that was just like, that was such like a life-changing moment because as a Virgo, like I, I struggled with like getting out of the parameters that like, I don't know when the hell it was built, but like these super, super limitations. So when I kind of heard them, you know, just give this random ass fly ass name, like jam and skate, what is that? Like I can, I can have that much fun. And literally I, I swear to you after watching that doc, I started thinking like, you know, well, what's me? What is the most like me because I decided the only thing I can do is be myself I'm like all right poor from the hood you know what's my favorite thing my favorite thing is coffee but then what else you know what can you get for a dollar you know coffee and a butter roll and that's kind of from its inception it just kind of took off and that very same year we did our first skate party at the same place that we got our series last summer and we had accomplished a bunch of other things that I have to figure out a nice, fancy way of sharing because I think it's important for us, for our own sanity as creatives to celebrate ourselves because like I said, we're pretty limited with what we share and we definitely don't share when shit doesn't succeed. But like, how do we make sure that like we celebrate ourselves in the same way? And we brought roller skating up to Orchard Beach. And that was a long ass process. Oh my gosh. I've never been more annoying 
in my whole life. The way I had to be annoying to get that funding to make them like, you know, hit the ground running. It was basically they fixed up sort of uh, a hockey rink that's right near the boardwalk. And I that Christmas break 2016, there was no break. I was calling the Bronx, like the New York Parks Department of the Bronx. I was calling like the ED, like like the top honcho. <laughs> I was calling him every day, going in the bathroom while I was at work just so that they can like, you know, give Butterell some money to do something in the Bronx. And what came out of it was Orchard Beach. So a lot of things happened between our inception to getting into Lakeside, but also our community got us into Lakeside. Mm -hmm. A petition, we had to start a petition to say the community is demanding that you guys put Butterell on the programming. But that's what's so dope. I love that. You're like, you got the okay by watching that short, you got the okay that you could color outside the lines. And here you Mm -hmm. are adopting all of these like organizer methods of like, Mm -hmm. you know, persistence and advocating for your community to get this done in the community for the community, petitioning like that. Those aren't things that a for-profit CEO or or executive would come to. They would be like, the market is here and da 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 da. You're like, no, this is the community and this is what they deserve. And here the numbers to back us up. That's what's up. I love that. So how many parties that y'all threw monthly parties? So y'all threw three parties? We threw parties uh, five. So from May to September. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And And it was really dope. It was really, really cool because it was, you know, everything's a a learning experience. And up until then, I had gotten well-versed. Before my very first skate party, like I had never set foot inside a roller rink. So even though my dream was to open a rink, I had never been to one until the very first one we did in 2015, which was also my 30th birthday. And that was like hella's, you know, it was like serendipity. But doing a series was a different monster. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, everything is like bit by bit. You learn, okay, this is what it's going to require. This is where, uh, this is what worked. This is what, you know, we can do better at so that, you know, when this rink comes into fruition, then, uh, you know, we're ready. When this rink, speak it into into fruition, (laughs) V. I love that. I love that. No, and I think that I need to kind of bring some external context for people who are not in New York and not native New Yorkers and don't understand what it means to bring a a roller rink to Orchard Beach versus having parties at Lakeside because they're very different beasts. Absolutely. You know, Orchard Beach is located in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. It's basically a beach that's frequented by working class poor New Yorkers, New Yorkers Mm -hmm. who primarily take the bus there rather than like Mm -hmm. drive or like live at the beach. It's a part of a very underserved borough. And while in its heyday, as Ames could probably tell you, and we can get into that, was a part of a, there was a renaissance here of like rinks in the Bronx and in Queens and a whole beautiful culture back in the day in the 70s and 80s that's kind of died down a lot. And because of like property values and gentrification, and a lot of divestment. And so it takes in pulling teeth because usually when, you know, the official line from government is that there's no funding or like mm-hmm. it's very hard to get them to do anything because, you know, usually with when it comes to the Bronx, there's very, there's just reluctance, right? So, so it yeah, does- Yeah, because we know what yeah. kind of demographic is the majority in the Bronx. Yes, people of color, you know? uh, Latino mm-hmm. and Latinx and African-American. So it's also very like, it's a very heavily policed area and, 
and you know so so to bring a roller rink and those are kind of like activities or events or productions that would probably take place in like a Brooklyn or or Manhattan right and so right. it's really dope and to be able to intentionally to create something like that for the Bronx so that's that's really mm-hmm. dope and then on the flip side of that Lakeside is located in Prospect it's the opposite <laughs> exactly it's a very moneyed affluent area that slowly but surely has suffered from gentrification and especially on the lakeside side of that park uh, the Crown Heights Absolutely. area is being a lot of the historic African American Caribbean communities there are being displaced and replaced Absolutely. with more affluent and middle class whites and what have you so they open a rink in the summertime and have like kids activities and have a very successful ongoing series of events produced every Friday, but they're expensive and kind of are catered and have the aesthetics of that, that appeal to more of the new. No, no, not kind of. It is a white party. <laughs> okay. It is a white party led by a white woman who is and has been a gentrifier for a very, very long time and was also the only person who had access to doing a series in that way. I've also learned how to get very comfortable with naming, you know, the issues. I mm-hmm. think that in a lot of our spaces, especially as people of color, just because of the nature in like our conditioning and in the way that we're brought up, it's very hard for us to get comfortable with saying things that might make other people uncomfortable. And I think it's also because we have the hearts that we have, you know, where we're not out here trying to badmouth people, but Lakeside has been catering the the more gentrified audiences. And it has been incredibly difficult to maintain any type of programming that attracts people of color. And the way that they've gotten around that is that while that person has a weekly, the very most that people have gotten has been like one-off parties, right? This is out of an entire spring, summer, series. and early fall series, yeah. like time, mm-hmm. like, a, like a window, a calendar of all these possible opportunities. And to be fair, Lakeside is no different than a lot of rinks in general where they give, they hold very little space for people of color unless it's controlled, you know, the way that they feel like it should be controlled. So it's very little spaces, not just for us to go to, but then to go and be able to create, right? Create styles of skating, create music on the rink and, and all these things get left out because you know when when creating the space for it to foster and to flourish a new fully, renaissance fully. yeah exactly exactly of skating in new york because i think that it's you know real estate and institutions have stifled it and have you know sucked all the oxygen from the culture mm-hmm. and then the the predominance of these groups in mm-hmm. the sphere takes what's left <laughs> so there isn't any any sort of ability to foment that growth like you're trying to do. This, I, f- I feel like that's part of what your ambition is to kind of create the space, to hold down the space for a new generation and a renaissance to happen, right? Would you agree? I would say, I would say yes, but also to empower a lot more people to come with me to take up that space. 
Like that's far more important. If you were to come to a butter roll event and you're just like, wow, I can't believe somebody like her can make this happen. Maybe I can do it. And like five people leave and do their own events and then more people come to their events and leave. That That's the only way that I think we can get that renaissance that you keep talking about. So it is about holding space, but it's way more about empowering people to want to do their own thing, you know? And there's that organizer again, like <laughs> the whole right. bringing people with you and pulling people with you and empowering people to do what they're what they want and to create what they want rather than having it given to them I think that's that's a very key difference right yeah but Um, it's also being mindful as a creative like I have my vision for what I want from better role and you know never one thing of anything can ever truly reflect all types of people because we say POCs and we just lump us all together but like we all don't like the same things we all don't like the same type of music we all don't even dress the same so that's why it's most important it's because I want to make sure that everyone can feel welcomed and and be reflected in all these other groups because I know that butter roll won't be able to satisfy everybody in that way and I'm very honest with myself about. So you're trying to kick the door open. You're not trying to make the house. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah. You're just, you're trying to, yeah, you're creating the space for more butter rolls with their awesome double entendre names to come after and (laughs) and take up space. That's dope too. That's very vital and crucial. So tell me about the finesse and the people's playlist and how you integrate music into what you do. And I think it's on your personal Instagram that you do the affirmations with the historical photos, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me all about that. Cause that's another really beautiful part of what your work is, the audiovisual aspect to it. Oh, thank you. So the finesse is in its third season. It actually started December of 2017, and it, it just started out of necessity. I, for a long time, maybe about two years before I just, you know, created it, I wanted it to be original mixes by DJs and, you know, bless their hearts. I, I have a lot of friends who DJ, I just couldn't get them to commit to making these original mixes. At least back then, it was very hard to get them to one focus and then want to do something that I had in my mind, which I'm like, that's why people end up you know, becoming creatives in other ways because like they have this very specific idea in their head and no matter who they hire to do or whoever they ask to do, it's just not the same. So yeah, I just decided that I wanted to do a playlist just to get started. I needed content. I had only at that time, I hadn't done the thing in the Bronx. I had done only two other events, one in 2015 and one in 2016. So I was really desperate to, you know, to do something original. And I decided that the finesse was like the closest word to, you know, a butter roll or, or buttery, smooth body roll kind of, you know, like this very suave, smooth, funky kind of vibe. And the first couple of ones I did myself. And then I had a homie who was like, yo, when are you going to let me do a playlist? And I was like, damn, if you could take that shit off my plate, like I would love that. So I just had my, my one homeboy do like, I think it was like volume four. And I was like, shit, if I get like 10, like get us to volume 10, I'll be happy. Because that means that I don't have to think about this for a couple of weeks. And so I asked a bunch of friends and like literally asked a bunch of friends, assuming that only a a handful would say yes. Everyone I asked said yes. And I ended up with like volume 35. I was like, oh, okay, well, this is, I guess this is something. One of our volume, volume 17s by DJ MoMA from uh, Everyday People out here in New York, his playlist got featured on Tidal. And that was hella exciting. 
but yeah, so this open project is the people's playlist. It's like, if you could think of like this never ending playlist that like everyone contributes to, like, what would that look like? And to me, that's what this playlist is about is like, there's so many different variations of what's considered skate music or what you can skate to. And I also feel like people's taste in music also gives you a window into like who they are because everything's associated with like memory and nostalgia. Like I get to learn about people on a more personal and intimate level. It's just this project that like, I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. And I'm really thankful for it. And yeah, you know, the the organizer in me will always want to like pull things out of people. I was shy to do things, anything create. And so I try to like pick and choose, like handpick people who aren't DJs, like who are like, no, man, I don't know what I'm doing. And it's like, no, no, just give it a shot. Just think of some songs that make you happy. And then we work through that and I'll let you know, you know, what's the next step. And, you know, next thing you know, they curated a playlist and they're really excited about it. So it's this open project that like anyone from all ages and all professions can participate in. Because like we all have a little DJ in us anyway. Hell yeah. We all know what we like. That's right. Uh, yeah. So, and that lives on clubbutterroll.org. Is that right? Or That or- lives on, on butterroll.org, but our handles on social media is clubbutterroll. So the question that I wanted to ask you earlier that I remembered was about the kind of like history and historical lessons about skating in New York specifically mm-hmm. that you love to post with your photos and just that mm-hmm. whole aspect of it. It feels like you're almost like teaching and like mm-hmm. doing like a skate history class. Could you tell me about how you came upon that knowledge and what your goals are for that part of your work or what you what is behind it? Sure. A documentary is behind it. So I definitely forgot about mentioning that, but um, that's also still very, very early stages. But my goal would be to do a documentary that's um, centered around New York's influence and history, just long-term history with, with roller skating. I'm a history nerd. I love like quick facts about things not just about New York, but New York definitely excites me more than anything. I love anything that, you know, that holds memory. There was another life before this life. You know, people dress very differently. They listen to different types of music. There were no cell phones. So anything that's related to like a time before mine excites me. And I love that roller skating has its own history, like these worlds that you get sucked into. Because you can learn about New York subways. You can learn about maybe the history behind some of these buildings we walk by every day. But roller rinks are like these ghosts that we didn't really know existed. Like there were, you know, when you ask somebody about a rink in New York, they more than likely, maybe nine out of 10 times, they'll say like Empire or Skate Key. So Empire was in Brooklyn and Skate Key obviously was in the Bronx. But there were so many rinks, so many local smaller rinks than just those two. And it's wildly fascinating to to learn. Like you learn a little bit and then, you know, you find another link in, in like Cornell University. Like here's this flyer from this other rink, you know, you find it all the way at the tiny text at the bottom and then you look into it more. And it's just like, it's so thrilling, the anthropology behind, you know, uncovering these ghosts of rinks and skating past out here in New York. Hey, I love that. I love that so much. What's on the horizon for you? So much. So <laughs> this year alone, I did the the now that I know that you're a Virgo, I did the Virgo thing where I always bite off more than I can chew. And that's because one, I know that 
quantity, like the more things I put out, the more of a chance I'll, I'll have something to show for it. Instead of always like putting my heart and soul in just one thing. I'm definitely not the type of person that believes, you know, pick one thing and then do that really well. I don't function that way because my creativity also has its own ADD. And if I can't at least uh, get to whatever it is that's like on my mind, then I can't focus on any one thing. So this year we are working on season two of the uh, skate series at Lakeside. And I'm really excited about that because we will be teaming up with this really awesome organization called Caribbean. And I'm not going to share too much about what we have planned because it's still in beta, of course. Um, but we are being way more intentional. And by we, I mean for Butterroll, being more intentional in reflecting our community, aka highlighting our Caribbeanness more. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have a lot of fun with that this year. And that organization overall, I've just been a huge fan of for, for some time. And uh, also led by a woman of color. So I'm yes. like, what the fuck? Not yes. two women of color? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. like side with a series? You kidding mm-hmm. me? I'm hyped mm-hmm. right now about that. So there's that. And I've also teamed up with two other femmes or two other women to work on this, you know, opening this roller rink. So that's more of a long-term plan, but I'm being a lot more intentional than I was before. So there's that. And, you know, this other part of us of like growing into films, you know, with my filmmaking background, which I've worked on other projects, I wanted to be able to incorporate that into Butterroll. We recently, I think it was in February, we had an open call, like women of color filmmakers or, or wannabe filmmakers, like we're looking to fund two projects that is New York roller skating themed. Like it could be anything. It could be a music video. It could be a doc. It could be whatever you want. And we had two winners, Sanji Lopez and Juliette Gomez. And I'm really excited about the work that they're going to do. So we've got some BR films with Butterroll music. I'm st- I, I mean, I aspire to want to create original music, but you know, I think when the opportunity really presents itself, then I'll be able to go down that route. But yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff going on. That's what's up, Ames. So these films are they in pre-production or are they? Where are they? Yeah, they're pre-production. Yeah. We're still That's we're still fleshing out the documentaries. So both women have some loose knowledge of filmmaking. So that's beautiful because that also means that like they're not they're not super hung up about how we get it done as long as we as long as it makes sense. Because I feel like there's always a good and a bad when you're like formally trained. Like when you go to like a really, a really posh like college, you have like, you only think within these certain parameters. And I, I really love having fun and figuring things out. But they're both super sweet. And from what I've learned so far, very, very smart. So I'm just, I'm very honored that I could help them get out of their, their bubble because they got it, you know, but in some ways, I, I think I kind of signed up to be a mentor for these projects. So um, that's definitely new for me. I've never, I've never done that before. But I'm really excited about what's to come for sure. Are you BR or do you have others in your on your team with you? No, it's mainly me. But for the different projects, I do have folks that I work closely with. So for the films, uh huh. So for the films, I have well, she's my mentor too, Kara Barker. She's been in film since the '80s. And she has an extensive experience in filmmaking. She worked on the A24 
that Zola movie about like the stripper and the tweets. I don't remember. I haven't seen it, but she worked on that recent project and it was on Sundance. And then for the opening the roller rink to other really powerful Afro-Dominican women that I I feel really safe with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, like be myself and be bossy because like we're Virgos and you need and that. Saying that, but it's yep. like, you know, we're hard on ourselves, but we're also really controlling and it's a weird dynamic to like, to like balance. Um, get it done. Um, That's why people done. rely on us. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. <laughs> Hell yeah. And they know we get it done. I like some of the, are we going to be able to talk about some of the, the segments? Oh yeah. Yeah. What do you want to, what do you want to, oh you man, you have such great, well, I mean, I had, I had questions about, Tell like, me. I'm just curious about like the ancient skate, but the ones that I wanted to participate in was, that's, um, my, jam. The, that's my jam and did that. That's my jam. And the, and the, did that those usually apply to Derby because a Derby, I don't know mm-hmm. how familiar you are with Derby, but a jam is like the two minute period of time in which a, a play happens basically. So, mm-hmm. but if you want to adopt it to like jam skating and tell me what's your jam, I would love to hear that too. When I think of what's my jam, I think of music. Okay. So what came to me like a memorable jam that amazed me was, remember how I said earlier, I've, I had never set foot inside of a roller rink yeah so lakeside isn't even like a traditional roller rink with like wood floor and all that Mm -hmm. um because their flooring is like cement and it's like semi outside so like the setup is still different a music video because i'm huge on music videos was soul for reals every little thing Mm -hmm. um that to me was like that has absolutely been the dream for years and that was actually a song that low-key haunted me when Mm. i decided back in 09 that I wanted to open a rink, you know, there was nothing around me that showed me that one that was possible. It's not like now where like resources and women owned and like, you know, them wanting to support women owned businesses. It wasn't, that wasn't the climate. Also like all the rinks had just closed. Like, mm-hmm. you know, 09 was just like, <laughs> it, was, it was a sad ass year for a long time up until I, I started the Instagram in 2015. Every time I heard every little thing, I, that was the song that would kind of like poke at me. Like, what are you waiting for? Like, mm-hmm. yep, this is still something you want, like all the time. So that video obviously made, and still to this day makes it the biggest like impression on me. But yeah, yeah no, I'm just like, <laughs> I'm in awe that that's what that meant. And I totally interpreted it for something else. And I love that. I love the crossover. There's a lot of language that's used in roller derby that we as people of color understand completely. Like, can I, I tell it. you that when I was learning how to skate, they would be like, you got to use your edges. And you know, for women ah! of color, like edges are like <laughs> the things that are on your forehead that you have to like, <laughs> put down with like a little toothbrush and some gel and like make sure that your that edges so are cute. straight so <laughs> i was like my I love edges it. how what the hell does that mean use your edges in, in roller derby then it's like your it's like the itty bitty edges of your feet like the what you know, so like the top the tippy toes like the very very edges around the, the bottom of your feet in order to like stop and control and manipulate what you do really yeah this is fascinating in it or like oh the edges of the wheels themselves like when they like you got to focus on the the right edges the outer edges versus the inner edges i think it also has to do with probably a hockey sort of usage but mm. that's what they meet in that concept in that context so sometimes it's like unlearning or like learning a new sort of like skating language which people don't understand the levels mm-hmm. hit me with your self-care tip so i'm gonna be honest i have not been very diligent with taking care of myself 
So COVID obviously affects my butter roll stuff, but it really, really impacts my organizing work. So these last two and a half weeks have been absolute mayhem. I have never worked so much back to back. Maybe on one project, maybe I'll be like stressed out one or two whole days, but never like this. And uh, I have not been taking care of myself the way that I should have. But when I did, I'm really good at using my mornings because that's, that's the time of day that will affect the rest of my day. I usually wake up and I take my time. I don't like talking. I don't like to talk to anyone. I don't like to talk at all in the mornings. I'll listen to a podcast and I'll make my coffee the long way. For me, that's how I stay like mentally sane and get prepared for the day. I used to be really, really into meditation, but I still felt like the things that were affecting me weren't changing and that I was just finding ways to cope. So I stopped meditating because I was doing that for years and just kind of like in this weird cycle of, but I've learned to breathe. I think that's probably the best thing that, that I can do for myself is like when I feel like I'm getting worked up, it's like learning how to just take a moment and like breathe. And that's been enough. I feel like self-care and for anybody listening, this is no shade on you at all, but I, I do feel that self-care is very much rooted in capitalism. And I don't believe that going to a spa or just having to purchase something to make me feel better, that doesn't really change. Like, you know, what about the next time? Yeah. What about the next time? Or what about in like five hours, which inevitably I'm going to get worked the hell up, you know? Like, how do I, how do I really learn to address what's bothering me? And how can I check myself? That's the best thing I, I could do for myself. Yeah, I will no. say though, there was okay, a book that changed me. There was Tell a me. book that changed me. And it was this, this guy I was dating at the time. He told me about the artist way. And since then I'm like talking about it to everybody. And it's this book that's mainly, it's like a, like a workbook. So I think you commit to like 13 or 14 weeks and it really makes you get in touch with your creative self and understand your creative process, but also your blocks. So I think since that book, it put me in a, in a position for me to understand why I react to things the way that I do. And also what happens when self-doubt comes in? Like what, what is that stemmed? Where is that rooted in? So I would really, really, really advise for anyone, doesn't matter if you're just starting out as a creative or if you've been an artist or creative for years, really, really look into the artist way. And please do yourself the favor of sticking to the work plan. They give you a lot of tasks. They make you wake up early and do writing, you know, writing sessions to yourself. I would just say, if you do nothing else in life, give yourself a shot to like heal your creative child because, you know, children go into, grow, grow into adults and whatever happens to us as kids, spills into adulthood. And that's why folks go through midlife crisis and we don't have to keep repeating those cycles. So, you know, I'm a strong believer in self-help books, but self-help books that are actually actually benefit you and change the way that you function in the world, not just like put a bandaid over, over a boo-boo. What I was going to say was that I agree with you that the term self-care has been commodified. Uh, oh, yeah. And I definitely, it's really interesting to hear people's interpretation of that question because some people go at it and think that it has to do with like bath, bath bombs and spa visits and what have you. And it could just be as easy as like making your coffee the long way and like whatever it is mm-hmm. to make you feel whole, to make you feel good, to make you feel, to like restore you and make you feel like you're good. You know, like mm-hmm. phew, that's that's what I need for me. So thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Maximize yeah, no, thank tasks. you for the question. Of course. And the tip, artist way. Also, what would you like to hold space for? So this is kind of like a free space where you get whatever you want off your mind, whatever you want to use it for, go for it. So, I mean, one of the biggest struggles with Butterroll as, I guess I would say in, in its own respect, you know, successful, whatever success means for folks. For me, success just means I had an idea and I brought it to life and like end the story. Like, don't, how do I say this? So it was a time where I almost quit Butterroll not that long ago. And I would say that it happened right before the Orchard Beach thing. Like once they gave me the thumbs up, because, you know, there were a couple months I didn't hear back from folks. In that window, right before the summer of 2017, there was this, this other New York skate group that started to bite Butterroll. And that really, really affected me. To see another group, a male-dominated group, basically just bite the whole swag of Butterroll, like that really affected me to the point where I was just going to not do anything. Like the, what Butterroll is today would not be what it is because I was about to be like, nah, I'm good. This is not for me. You know, this is not women friendly. Like we always come up with these ideas and then men come and just like throw their name on it. And then, you know, we just get forgotten or lost or that it, it appears to happen easier for other groups than for someone like me. I do want to hold space for what I felt because that was real. And it also helped me grow a thicker skin to not feel so threatened. I think good ideas need to be shared. I think they need to be shared smart. That means don't post a really dope name of a, of a business without at least being incorporated. I mean, it should definitely be copyrighted, but at least incorporate it so that you have, you hold a piece of it on your own. I think that not being afraid to like get your ideas out because you're afraid someone's going to run with your idea really does hold you back. It held me back for years. So I do want to hold space for like recognizing that and naming that fear, but realizing that it's just fear and that's not truth. You know, whatever that means for whoever's listening to this, like whatever idea you have, whether it's like this, you know, as simple as a sticker idea of a design or as big as like starting an apparel line, give it a shot. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's okay to mess up. It's okay if it doesn't do well. It's okay if you don't sell anything, but like bet on yourself enough to to do that because I think the saddest thing that any of us can do is to like feed into the fear. You know, when people kind of bite, go and complain to whoever you need to complain to. Like don't hold that shit in, complain and then keep it moving and keep creating. So that's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> Let it fall off like butter. Let it roll off like <laughs> butter. How about that? Yeah. Also, ironically, I fucking love butter. Butter is delicious. How could you not? If you don't love butter, I, I'm going to be suspicious. <laughs> it is You're delicious. Sus. Yes. I know. Okay. Last but not least, who is your MVP? And this could be someone skating, non-skating related, just someone, a place, a person, a thing, anything. Just who's your most valuable player right now? So my mind went to two different people and they're both men. I just want to name, you know, uh, no man bashing. Like I, I love men. It's just, it's, it's, it's a hard ass game out here for all of us. But two, ironically, two people that I admire so very much. One is the creator of Mahogany Records and also Soul Skate out in Detroit, Moody Man. I'm a huge fan. I love the music that he creates, but that skate party is like no skate party I've ever seen. And also I've always wanted to go to Detroit. And the other person is Pete. I always forget his last name, but he's one of the creators of Skate Fanatics. And they are, I don't know if you've seen the Nike sneaker roller skate that I always post. So they, they custom make pretty much any damn shoe you want into roller skates. And their business is like, so in demand right now. And I'm so, I was so humbled when 
they had come out here, um, Pete and his wife, I got to meet him of Skate Fanatics. They came out to see the United Skates documentary that came out on HBO. Tribeca was the first one to show it. And somehow, somewhere, I ended up meeting with them for lunch. And they were just such beautiful people. So humble. They've been doing what they do for like more than 20 years and still so very sweet and so welcoming and encouraging. And I just want to say like, those are definitely one is like aspire to like meet one day. And then Pete holds that same power, but he's like one call away. And that's just like so beautiful because for a long time, I was so by myself when it came down to roller skating. I didn't know about any communities, definitely nothing out here in New York that I knew about. Yeah, those two people represent the very, very big ideas that like all skating could be, right? And I admire them a lot for that. I hope there are some women that I can I can grow to love in the same way. I'm still learning, but who knows? Maybe I'll be that person. Yes, 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 yes. So <laughs> dope. Thank you so much. Really Thank you for even dope. having this this beautiful like podcast and this space to talk about these things and for your very well thought like questions. I think You know, there are a lot of people who don't, like the majority of my conversations and anything I've been interviewed for, they don't understand skate culture and that's okay. But, you know, you can imagine that most, that chunk of our conversation is just like, hey, so when's that skating event you're doing? And it's like, it's so much more than that. Mm -hmm. So this is really special to have someone like dive in and, you know, I get to share all these different parts of myself and butter roll and you know, it was really special. So thank you for holding space. Of course, you're welcome. And I feel like from a cultural standpoint, I feel like as Latina here in New York, skate culture mm-hmm. is part of our culture here. You know, it's a part of our urban culture. And yeah, uh, it's 100%. And it's it's really unfortunate that it's become like ghostly. Uh, so no, and if I, it isn't ghostly, it's roller disco, it's a gentrified version. Sure. Or it's or been overtaken. It's been displaced. Diversity. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, so you're simultaneously like excavating but also like planting seeds and harvesting. It's a really dope project. So thanks again. All right, folks, well, there you have it. Holding Space with Magical Wheelism is available on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and YouTube. Help the pod grow by subscribing and sharing it with friends. Rating and reviewing on Apple Podcasts also helps others find us. Follow the pod on Instagram at Holding Space with Magic Pod. Intro and outro music is by Sun Searcher. The song is called Latin Rhythm. And the cover photo is by James Corbett of Epic Life Images. Find him at Epic Life Images on Instagram. See you next time. Bye.